Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 418. Terry Miller, the disc golf guy, not alongside Johnny V. No, I'm clearly Just dead. a few hundred miles apart. <laughs> the base... How I look with this pasty and camera stuff. Uh, you're not dead like me. You're very colorful, Terry. I mean, you look good. You no. look good, Johnny. As good no. as you could possibly look. How about that? I, I don't even think that. <laughs> I don't give myself to too it? high regards, but uh, I don't even think I look that good. All right. Well, either way, welcome, everyone. We are here. It is, of course, the week of Pro Worlds. And as A.J. Risley famously said, so, Pro Worlds. Huh? We're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it clearly, just such a week that everybody talks about. It's it's funny that we have so many enormous tournaments, and they're getting bigger in the Elite Series and the other majors and everything else. And uh, obviously, they all carry a ton of weight, and they're super important. And they all continue to lift in terms of the payouts and the significance of the media, the sponsorships, everything that goes along with it. But at the end of the day, as we all know, you would trade every other accolade, every other title, just to say that you're a world champion. And that's what this week's all about. So we're here. It's Emporia. <laughs> and uh, we've got two different courses that are obviously in play. None of this is really new to most of you if you follow along whatsoever uh, within the disc golf community. But uh, we're done with day one. And... Uh, Obviously, it only makes sense that uh, we talk about what we saw during day one. And Johnny, you were in a unique situation. Maybe unique is a strong word, but uh, this week you are directing the show on the MPO side. And so that's the afternoon of the men's coverage. And um, you have the regular team in terms of Mo and Gary and all those guys. But then in the booth, on the MPO side, we have Ian Anderson as a host, and we have Brian Earhart and Nate Doss as the color commentator. So that's kind of what your crew looks like. So 
only because it was more recent this afternoon. Why don't we start there uh, with any of your thoughts from, I'll say from behind the scenes. I'm not as much worried about scores as um, without getting too into the weeds. Give us some, give us some overview from behind the scenes today. Well, into the weeds is what we do, Terry. It's literally what oh. we do. Um, mm. Well, from a control room perspective, and a tech perspective, I think things went relatively well. I think we had one little glitch during the show that we were able to, some audio drops that we were able to clear up pretty quick after a commercial break. We just had to kind of restart a system after something crashed. But um, we're doing something unique in that we have um, a, we've got two simultaneous broadcasts going on. And it didn't happen this morning due to some shipping issues that uh, that we had. We thought things were going to get shipped out a little quicker than than uh, they were but by this afternoon we had two broadcasts we had our normal feature broadcast which where we showed the as we always do we show the top players people are performing well a featured card so to speak and then we also now have a featured holes broadcast um, which is only going to be getting better as the week goes on we had a couple little glitches with it today and I think that we will be able to kind of iron those out. But we're able to show just a few key holes. I think this tomorrow when we're at the country club, you're going to be able to see um, hole 16, maybe uh, hole one. Uh, I don't know. It, it's going to it's going to be. I don't exactly know which, which what they have planned because I'm not really part of it too much. I'm just doing a little bit of tech work behind the scenes with it. So I'm really excited that they are branching out. And I wanted to talk about it last week, but. It, Nothing was finalized for sure. There was a lot of talk behind the scenes, but ultimately we finally got it up and running this afternoon. And I think overall the broadcast went pretty, pretty well. I mean, not that you know, Terry. Yeah. Well, I was out in the field and uh, uh, of course, anytime Ian and the crew had a question or something, they could call on me. Um, I believe, uh, did we, Oh my gosh, did we bat a thousand? Did every time they throw to me, I heard it and was able to respond? Can you can you think of any where that didn't happen? No, you did. You literally batted a thousand today, Terry. Congratulations. So, uh, and it, and I'm not trying to take any credit for that. I'm just saying, naturally, sometimes we're challenged with some technology, and it's it's a little bit of a. Uh, it, it's not the perfect solution. And of course, we're continuing to research and develop what will be the perfect or a little bit more robust solution. But I felt like every time I was called upon, uh, I was able to click the button and have it work. And and sometimes, honestly, that just isn't the case. But signal wise and everything else, it seemed like things uh, seemed like things were working out. So um, r- real quick back up, because I honestly have no idea. Sure. What, what does that mean when you say there's another, I mean, there's another broadcast. Is that somewhere else they're clicking? Is that something else yes. on the same screen? What exactly does that mean? Uh, just so that I can help promote it even more myself. Well, the other stream is only exclusively on the Disc Golf Network. So if you're a Disc Golf Network subscriber, you can tune in to... Uh, there should be another link out there. Just like you're finding the featured broadcast, there should be a featured holes broadcast that you could have up on another screen. If you wanted to dual screen it and that's just literally going to be like i said two or three different holes i think grant zellner from the pdga is doing some uh commentating on it he's doing a little bit of chatting here and there which is wonderful because grant is phenomenal Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. when there's not somebody on one of 
two to three. I think it's two holes. I think they're covering two holes. When they're not, when there's somebody not on two holes, it just shows scores. Mm. And you can find it out on the Disc Golf Network. It is, you know, I know these the the Disc Golf Pro Tour has is paying a lot of extra money this weekend for all these additional units that we had to rent. So please go out and check it out if you get the chance. I mean, it's Grant, like I said, Grant Zellner, two holes, and hopefully we're going to get some replay on those holes tomorrow. The, the replay machine had, had some glitches, and that's actually literally why we were a minute late, because I'm still nailing down some of these replay issues on, on our spare server that we have. But I think that once we get everything under control, this is going to kind of be the, I'm going to say the new standard, but for Worlds, MVP, GMC, USDGC, and probably the Pro Tour finale. Don't quote me on all of those, but I think that's the uh, Don't overpromise. Plan. I'm not going to overpromise. Well, I can overpromise all I want because I'm not delivering. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not, nothing new there, folks. That's uh, right. Yeah, I, Grant Zellner, two holes in replay. That sounds like a good time to me. That's... So, you know, that's what I said. I I, I volunteer like to get branded. Grant Zellner, two holes in replay. <laughs> mm. I feel like that's. I think that's. I don't know. I'm just. Mm. I'm just yeah. spitballing here. I know the PDGA might be out there watching. I'm just saying we've got a branding and marketing opportunity here. So, <laughs> um, well, that's awesome to hear that it's it's taking place. A- any idea? Again, I'm not looking for necessarily any numbers, whether you have them or not. Any idea how well it was received? Or maybe we could throw it out to the board if people were finding it, if they were liking it. Uh, you know, just kind of the overall feedback to it. I think I'm guessing more people need to know about it. Um, yeah, it was for starters. It was not um, advertised very well. And that's, I think, by design, um, because we want to make sure we get the kinks worked out, make sure it's everything's operational, up and running, looks good. We know what the options are and then make sure everybody uh, knows about it, because as you're saying, it's truly a, a bonus, mm-hmm. uh, an additional feature and offering that is is coming to everybody. Is that a fair way to put it? That is 100 percent a fair way to put it. Ooh, it looks like we've got uh, some nice spam in the chat, too. Sweet. Ooh. Those those are my people. Uh, they, they heard about my new about my new uh, marketing campaign with Grant Zellner two holes in replay, and next thing you know, <laughs> and then they showed up. <laughs> exactly, just just like that. All right, all right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the nitty and uh, the the nitty and the gritty. I don't think that's a thing. The nitty gritty regarding the actual play today. Uh, of course, I was following along with our final feature card of the round. And uh, where we saw who, who was all on there: Simon Lazat, Eagle McMahon, mm-hmm. uh, Mason Ford. No, no, nope. James Conrad. Cards. Oh yeah, Conrad, the the world champion feller. <laughs> that world champion feller. And Matt Orham. Yeah, Matty. Yeah, I, I was mixing up who we saw go off because all three of the last cards were were quite stacked, as you would expect. Those are feature cards for various post and live, you know, operations, and so no surprise to see how stacked they were. Um, yeah, I, I caught up with Eagle McMahon after the round and what I can say, we'll start there. Eagle, you know, had a 10 under and that he tied was the shining other, light. He was the shining yeah, light because uh, the rest of the card kind of sucked. Yeah. Well, um, okay. Uh, that's one way to put it. They didn't it, perform it, up I, to his standards. No, they sucked. I mean, I think if you ask any of them, honestly, they're going to be like, yeah, we kind of sucked. We didn't play as nearly as well as we wanted to. Um, it was 
uh, Conrad is at three under, which is probably three or four off the pace that he wants to be at. Uh, who do, who else? Yeah, did we, at least. Yeah, who else did we say was on that card? Simon, who shot one under, he bogeyed oh the final hole to get to one under. Yeah, Lazat, and then Matty O. Yeah, um, Matt Orem shot okay. More Orem was okay. He shot a five under par. I'll give that. That's that's a relatively okay round. Um, he didn't struggle, but watching Lazat struggled severely on a lot on a couple holes, and just flat out didn't perform. And I know it's funny because I listened to your uh, conference on the day prior, asking Simon whether or not one day of practice was enough. And he kind of just, he dropped a, a little nugget in there that he's getting married next week, which I don't think a lot of mm-hmm. people knew. And on top of that, saying that, I mean, I know you knew, Terry, but I, I don't know if a lot of the disc golf community knew that. But just mm-hmm. saying he got in late, he only can, he only had time for one round. So maybe this is affecting him, because at one under par, I know it's early, I don't know if you can win. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's a little so, early. Someone like Simon. Yeah. Someone he, like Simon. He could come out and shoot two hot rounds, two of the hottest rounds of the, yeah. of the weekend, and get back in it. But one or two off. Yeah. Man, I, it's it's tough. It's it's tough. I'm I'll not going to get too far into that game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, clearly, he's got that much steeper of an uphill battle or a climb to make. Uh, compared to some of the other people out there. And, and and speaking of which, someone, you know, I know very much that I was hearing, at least within the broadcast, uh, over over listening to Brian and and Nate and Ian, was that, uh, you know, Paul Macbeth, you know, a lot of people look at Paul and James as kind of the initial two storylines, which is very understandable, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's plenty of other legitimate contenders, so there's no shade there. But it sounded very much so that, you know, Paul was clearly off to a very slow, I'm I'm not going to call it abysmal, but a very slow start uh, to get things going. And in fact, the number I kept hearing was that he was even through six holes. Yeah. And you look at a Chris Dickerson who had birdied uh, all for, uh, of the six first six holes. I mean, talk about just such a stark contrast and, and proof, of course, that those holes are all gettable. And um, uh yeah, but when it was all said and done, you know, I remember hearing Nate say, you know, Paul would almost have to miraculously birdie out, and Paul, I, I think, got very close to doing just that. And next thing you know, he's one off of the lead, and you know, very much not a sub story uh, of the overall day. So, uh, pretty impressive. He, yeah, Paul, Paul got off obviously to a slow start, and we kind of stopped paying attention to him a little bit for a few holes. When I jokingly said to mom, I'm like, don't worry, he's going to birdie the back nine. Because that's what Paul does. He, he he looks like he comes out to a slow start. And then by the end of the round, you look at him and you're like, and, and all you think is like, oh, yeah, I watched. I kept watching Paul miss all these putts or have these bad shots or something. And then you look at, at the end of the round and he's in like eighth place and he's two off the lead or something. And that's kind of what he did here. He's nine under. He's technically four off the lead, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, no. I know. I don't. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll we'll get we'll get to that in a second though, Terry. Um Yeah, he's technically one off of the lead right now in his pool. So Yeah. So uh real quick, let let's uh, let's touch on that. Uh sitting at 10 under par, uh we have Double G, Garrett Gerthy, Aaron Gossage, Eagle McMahon, Anthony Barella and Vino Macula all shot 10 under par. So uh they're of course set the tone you know, set the new high bar, whatever, officially, I guess, setting course record. 
because it's a new course compared to what we saw at the DDO. I'll, I'll give them all that. 10 under is what we see. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, at quickly looking at the scores, Double G, Gossage, McMahon, and Vino all had a single bogey in there at some point. So they had 11 birdies where Barella was bogey-free and shot just a, a clean 10 under. So uh, interesting to see. And then Corey Ellis, as we know, uh, very much in that conversation because he was having a phenomenal round. He ran into the double bogey hiccup on on 17. We apologize, but- Corey. I know we sent our cameras out there. Mo kept joking that he's the black cloud of doom because we so often see it that we'll send a camera out to somebody and they just, within a hole or so, they just have a very, very bad time. And that happened to Corey Ellis. Well, it also, I believe, happened to Zachariah Johnson. I was talking to one of the cameramen, and he's like, yeah, I went out there to get him. First hole I showed up, he was the only bogey he took on the round. And uh, obviously that more often than not is just a, a, a sheer coincidence. But sometimes it feels like, as you said, kind of like a black cloud of death that then uh, rolls over your round and over your course uh, or whatever. So um, rounding out the top 10, uh, again, shooting nine unders were Macbeth, Ellis, and Zachariah Johnson. And then also rounding out your top 10 with eight unders, you have Greg Barsby, Nate Sexton, Dylan Horse, Alvin Heimberg, Ezra Robinson, and Chris Dickerson. So uh, eight under, you know, eight to 10 under taking up, you know, 12 or 13 uh, of the top spots. Clearly, super close, competitive, mm-hmm. and you know, no, no one, you know, blew away the field by any means today. Although ten under, setting a really solid and established pace out there for sure. So, congrats to all of them that you know finished strong and shooting, uh, had the good rounds out there. As I said, shooting the hot round of the day was not even on that yes. pool. We had, no, we had the B pool playing at Jones. Um, no, uh, no, I'm sorry. ECC. We were at Jones. Sorry, we're at East. I'm looking at the thing, and they show they're already showing the next round. So I saw Jones MPO. Uh, Tristan Tanner out at the Country Club shoots a 13 under, blistering 13 under. And I know it's hard to compare the two, but if you just go by PBGA rating, he shot a 1087 round, besting double G and everybody that shot a 10 on by 20 points. 20 points he he ousted them so regardless of what you think as far as what's going on in my book tristan tanner's in the lead he has he, he has shot the best rated round of the day and clearly the best scoring round now the question is how is everyone gonna that was at jones gonna do at ecc how is he gonna do when it comes to jones we're gonna find out after tomorrow of course mm-hmm. but you you can't sleep on Tanner. He's probably no. he's probably no. one, he's one of the better players in that pool. One of the bigger known names has a cannon for an arm, and these are the type of courses that will suit him of all players. So it, it again, it's hard to compare apples to apples here because of the two different courses. But in my eyes, Tristan Tanner has the best round of the day and should be considered in first place. Best round of the day, highest rated round of the day, I'll give him. First if you place. want to consider him first place or not, uh, whatever. I mean, I, by, I, by that measure, you and can't consider... I'm not consider, trying to take anything away yeah, from him. By that measure, you can't consider... If you don't consider him in first place, you can't consider anybody in any position yet because nobody's played all the courses. Sure. So, I mean, that's 
that's the way I look at it. All right. Well, either way, uh, phenomenal round, of course, by Tristan Tanner. And and without even dialing down, I do remember hearing that that was with a bogey yes. uh, for Tristan. Yeah, he had bogeyed hole 14 out at the country club. So uh, really impressive. You know, and, and that was probably one of my favorite questions to Eagle. Uh, regardless, yeah, was, you know, hey, now we know. We know what can be shot. We we saw it happen. And, you know, what do you think of that 13 under? And he, you know, he recognized and said, of course, he'd be happy with that as well. Um, so very, very solid shooting by Tristan. And, you know, Tristan's one of those guys that we know it can throw a mile and mm. takes disc golf and his career and health, fitness, wellness, all those things so seriously. But then we haven't seen him perform to his full potential week in and week out. You know, he has these bouts of, of, of magic and he does some really good things and he's so impressive with so many of his skill sets, but he doesn't always get them to shine on the biggest stages. So, you know, maybe there was less pressure. Maybe it just doesn't matter. Maybe it was just his day. I mean, we all know sometimes you could throw a disc backwards. It feels like, and it could find the <laughs> basket. So whatever Tristan was doing out there, uh, very, very impressive. And uh, yeah, of course he's, he's hoping to be a contender right there after he gets around in uh, at Jones tomorrow. And one would say, well, you know, he's got every bit of skill set to go rip up Jones just the same. Uh, looking at his, his UDISC stats today, uh, clearly impressive, 100% C1X putting and 90% fairway hits, which I kind of expect out there, especially with a good score. And he had one sixty footer. He only made, you know, the 60 footer. And then uh, I apologize, two holes later, he had a 49 footer. And then way back on 12, he had a 38 footer. So it's not like, you know, he just threw in a hundred, you know, 10 shots from circle two and, and whatever. It was just an all around solid performance and a hundred percent C1X putting is always, almost always going to result in a good score. Mm -hmm. Uh, So nice work, Tristan Tanner. Clearly there's going to be a lot of eyes on watching what he's going to do tomorrow uh, out there. So, um, Paul had asked, and, and, and this is where something I want to quickly touch on before we move off of, uh, MPO this year, from my understanding, they took every single competitor and then just split them equally by rating in terms of the A versus B pool. Yeah. Uh, just straight up rating. So it's probably the right way to do it. It, it is in theory, the absolute most fair way that you could do it. Um, and there's been arguments about this since you and I played worlds for the last 20 years and everything in between. And I get it, but this year more than ever, and, and Robert Leonard was telling the story and you and I remember as well at one point at worlds, when you used to sign up for the world championships, it would literally ask on your registration form, who are else are you traveling with? And they would kind of take that into consideration well, putting the pools together. And I was always traveling with Barry Schultz and Ken Klimos. It's what I, I mean, because you're always trying to get into the A pool. That's where the best players were. And then at a certain point, they, um, you know, it became clear that, hey, you should really have all the quote unquote top contenders, at least on the same course playing. Cause you could have courses that are 45 minutes apart and have two completely different weather conditions. And I understand we can still have that with someone that tees at seven 30 in the morning on day one versus someone that tees at three 30 in the afternoon or whatever. I understand that's still possible, but that's why I use the phrase. 
this is the most fair way to go about it because there's just not a perfect way to do it. So, um, and let, let's, uh, you know, I'll, I don't think it's a big surprise or secret. Would, would it the make- wind conditions at 10 and 30 this morning were just a tad nicer than the wind conditions at 3.30 this afternoon. So is there an um, argument you know, some- for the PDGA? Because the way we did thing, the way we, the way the PDGA did it this year is normally they split pools based on division. So usually in the past, FPO has been a different pool. They've usually played a different course than MPO, blah, blah, blah. Well, this year it's a little different. I, I, I don't, I haven't looked at the, the actual pool assignments so to know if the mm-hmm. FPO is in the same considered pool as MPO. But we have the top half of FPO with the top half of MPO playing the same course. Bingo. And then the bottom half of FPO and the bottom half of MPO is playing the other course. Would it make more sense? Because we've heard, we've, we've heard the complaints before from players that play. People play at different times, blah, blah. If you took the top and bottom half of MPO and put it in a pool and then had the bottom half start early and then the top and middle half, so to speak. So more or less your two top, your, all your top players are playing in the afternoon, maybe just on different courses, especially in a city. Is, I mean, I know it's different for every city because courses could literally be 45 minutes apart. This courses are three throws apart. In the city of Emporia, practically. Um, three Simon throws. Three Simon throws. throws. Um, I wonder if it would make more sense, in hindsight 2020, and I'm sure the PDJ thought of this, to have all your top, quote-unquote, players playing in the afternoons. Just at different well, courses. I, I feel like that's what's happening. You have Tristan Tanner's teeing off at 2.50 tomorrow. Well, that's and because you he shot the our... best round. I'm saying first round. Oh, you're because, saying, oh, because, yeah, I mean. Because right now, yeah. if, if you think about it, cool, guess what? Um, as we know, the pools are different. I'm, I'm just going to scroll down to like someone like a Kale Visca, who's in 52nd. He might be teeing at 10.30 tomorrow morning. I don't know, a 12 tomorrow morning. I don't know. But he's still shooting way better than a majority of the B pool, who's going to shoot later in the afternoon at the top of the B pool. I'm just... Sure. Wondering yeah. if it would I make mean, sense to chop it. And how move it. granular I, do we want to get? And I, 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 I will go to what you're inter- saying. Go out, go out to social media and, and we'll see who's <laughs> and complaining ask. that they had to shoot this morning at at ten thirty right after the FPO, but they were in the A pool because they're a thousand and twenty rated player, but yet a thousand rated player gets to shoot in the afternoon. Now, thankfully, really the weather didn't make any difference. There was almost no wind today. A few little gusts here and there. Everything was like. Five to twelve miles an hour, basically. So it it didn't matter. I'm just saying. I bet you there's someone out there that's going to make that argument. I'm sure. Uh, just putting it out there, Terry. Throwing it out into the ether and waiting for the PDGA to tell me why I'm dumb. You're, you know, you're not doing enough for me. Is, oh. <laughs> is, is what else? I'm over. Uh, maybe right. I'm maybe I'm overthinking it a little. No, bit. No, I, your logic's not as as dumb as as usual, <laughs> and. So, or as I like to say, it's not the dumbest thing you've ever said, but um, I get it. You know, we just how many different ways do we need to start splitting the hairs? And and that's fine. I mean, yes, there. I understand where you're coming from. And in theory, it could be done. You know, we could also then turn around and still have our arguments about super cards and featured cards and whatever. I mean, there's just, you know, and how far let, down the rabbit hole do we want to go? Let me be clear. I'm completely fine with how they're doing it. Truly, I am. 
I, I don't care. I, I don't care when players complain that they have to play in the morning versus the people in the afternoon. I think they're mostly whining about it. But just putting it out there, thinking, trying to overthink things as I usually yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, l- look at the quote-unquote advantage the earlier players got at Des Moines last week. They got their entire round in and got to naturally, so to speak, play one round a day for three straight days. And and, and, and the, of course, the later this, players yeah. had a much crazier weekend. So when it's all said and done, we we know this. It's all going to even out. Like over the longevity of your career, I've you get some breaks. You're going to not get yeah. some breaks. It's it's all going to average out at some point. So I, I agree. All right, I agree. Except right, for me. Let's, uh, yeah, except for you. I mean, you I only always, got they the always worst put breaks. me. They always put me in the pool in the K, special K pool, and I'm always playing <laughs> yes. last. And well, I mean, we, they luck. also do still use the scores. Uh, they do, I, and let me tell that. you, that's just a bunch of crap because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> sorting me by my score, I disagree with that mentality. Oh, I think those, it should be by height all the time. Yes, so. <laughs> yes, yes. Huh. Uh, I think uh, Skilo would have a problem with that, but anyway, it's not my problem. All right, so over on the um, on the FPO side, you so, just you there's the only way you can say it. And here's a question: I I just ran out of time to ask Paige, and and it's not mean spirited, but it's a legitimate question that I still would love the answer from her. Is what is it like coming into the worlds and and by a lot of accounts not being the favorite. And again, that's not a slight on page, but that's a question I did have prepped in in the back of my head, and I ran out of time with her in the press conference. But the, by and large, she's I mean she's still one of the favorites. There's no doubt about it. Nothing's changed. Her round today hasn't changed. That nothing's changed. That, however, there is such a loud clamoring, understandably, for Mrs. Consistent. And, you know, misses everything in Kristen Tatar. And so it, there's a different feeling. There's, there's ne- Let's put it this way. In the six, eight, ten years that mm-hmm. Paige has been as dominant as she has been, we haven't heard at World's Time, oh, I think someone else no. is going Go- to win as going loudly worlds, as we're hearing this year. Going into every Worlds, probably for the last eight years, Paige Pierce has been the favorite. Period. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And Kat's got it in a few. Um, we we've we saw Sarah Holcomb get one back in 2010? 2012. 2012. Yeah. Um, we, we, we've seen other women win, but every year going in, Paige has always been the favorite, probably other than this year. Where now, if if you look out on UDISC, they've got a new feature called their win probability, mm-hmm. which more or less gives you a... There's a huge article on it. Mo and I had this discussion uh, off the air about how accurate it is and this and that. Huh. But going into the going into the round, Kristen Tatar was predicted. She she came in at sixty percent chance to win this event. Uh, that was the number. I thought it was forty five, but okay. Uh, anyway, uh, sixty. Okay, and uh, now after today's round, she's at eighty shifted to eight. No, eighty five. Eighty eight percent. Eighty five. Sorry. Which means now, if you go and read their article. They look at all the different holes and they simulate like 20,000 times per second. And yeah, I think, math. I th- they, I think, they do math. <laughs> which, again, I'm calling bananas on that. I don't believe math should be involved in disc golf. <laughs> Keep your math out of my disc golf. Um, mm-hmm. But Tatar is 
ultimately right now, an 85% chance to win. The next closest is Paige Pierce at 4%. Now, I, my argument was that I think, to, you know, I thought Tatar going in at 60% is a little bit high, but y- you want to take math. Clearly, something looks right because uh, sh- she's in the lead, and a lot of people are almost calling this over already. That I mean, that's just silly. I agree. Like, because we, we haven't seen country club can do a lot of things. The, the issue is Kristen Tatar is so consistent that the I odds of her losing of so many strokes and the people that she's losing. I mean, you have to look at the, the competition she's going up against right now. Who are her nearest competitors? Hannah Bloomros, who is a phenomenal thrower of the disc, but has had issues putting. She said it in her, uh, in her, uh, after round interview, she basically, he basically said, how's your, you know, how's your putting out there? She's like, it's not good. Like she was so blunt about it. Um, and she's, she's down to Kristen by two. Ella Hansen, who is a very streaky player, still, still young on the course. She is down by three to Tatar. And Ella has issues with her putting at times. Jen Allen, who can crush as well. No surprise. She's on the top card. And we've seen Jen Allen go through streaky moments with her putting. Tatar just feels mm-hmm. like she's the most consistent. Personally, I think it, <laughs> the, the the two people that have a chance of catching her right now might be Henna and Evelina. And, and it, we all saw Evelina have her struggles with the putter today. She missed a couple inside the circle for birdies. If she, yeah, if, I mean, quote unquote, if she can clean it up, blah blah blah. I think Ev has the best chance to catch her. Um, Maybe Henna can keep it up, but again, we could see Tatar come out tomorrow and shoot a one under, and a lot of women out there shoot a five under, and then yeah, I it mean, brings that's, everything that's in. Exactly what happened, and not that I would yeah. bet on it or count on it, but we saw at Des Moines, mm-hmm. Kristen Tatar came out with a scorching first round, and I know there was a little bit of weather and everything else that you know kind of made the day goofy, but she just she didn't follow it up, and I'm not taking anything away from uh, how incredibly consistent she is. In fact, I, I'm I'm spewing her consistency left and right uh, with her never finishing off the podium and, and everything else. And I I think it's almost undervalued just how much her consistency has been. Yeah. The fact that she hasn't finished off the podium, the only time she's done so in three years yeah. is at last year's Worlds with the stiffest competition she's ever seen. Um, and, and a short travel day and, you know, just a ton of other, I don't want to call them excuses, but a ton of other legitimate challenges at the world championships. That's the only, like the only time she's finished outside of the top three. And I, to me, it's just insane. Cause the more I think about that statistic for her, the more I appreciate just how damn good she really is. It's, uh, and, and I've seen the best of the best for the last 20 years and, Nobody has been that consistent over a multiple year span. I, 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 I would argue. I would argue that maybe. Speaking of moving on to our next competitor, Juliana Corver, who's in sixth place, maybe you could have said that back in her heyday that she was just consistently better than every player out there, um, and she did not. Of course, but now granted. She as wasn't we, as, playing in fields of 35 and 40 and 50 and 60 women either. And the ever. competition was not nearly as tight and tough as it was, as it is now. People were throwing different, different discs. I agree. But I mean, if you hindsight 2020, look back at the time, I think you could say Corver 
add a consistency uh, level I'm, I'm... that maybe we're seeing from Tatar, but Tatar is just doing it up against better competition. But anyway, so sixth place, uh, Juliana Corver. I think my biggest, I think she's my biggest surprise of the day. Uh, sixth place at a world championships on a very long course. She, and she missed two really easy putts. We're talking inside of 10 feet. She, she front okay. right to the front basket, but she got a few bonuses as well. She hit like a 50 for 60 footer. She hit a fifth, two fifty footers two fo- They mark them as 49 feet. She hit two fifty footers to make up for the two inside the target practically that she missed. Um, but which Juliana, would you rather have go back? <laughs> would you, I, I would take if the two inside the, tr- inside the target ever hundred percent of the time. E- 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 even after the end of the day, and and your score is going to let's just say your score is going to remain the same, obviously. And you go back to her and you say, "Hey, we'll give you those two ten footers and and mark those down as you making those, or you're going to have those, but we're going to give you the two forty nine footers." And I, and aside from like stats, and if you care about your stats, but just mentally, psyche wise, you take the ten footers one hundred percent of the time. A, okay. it's especially I'll say for me. It's it would be embarrassing to miss the putt that she, the putts that she did, and I'm sure she's embarrassed. You can you can see it on her face, when, just like when Evelina does the same thing. It's embarrassing to miss a putt that you could virtually reach over and and if if your arm was a foot and a half longer, you could drop it in. And she's practically missing those because she's just not putting enough effort behind her, not putting enough spin. She's kind of trying to flop them in there. And I don't blame her. You know, we've we've seen some spit putts at times and this and that, and maybe mm-hmm. she's concerned about that. I get it. I understand why she's doing it, but the 50-footers usually feel... 50-footers tend to feel a little more lucky, even if they're not. Mm-hmm. Or we, like we, bonus. They're like bonuses. So if you miss a 50-footer, nobody cares. If you make them, that's that's great. Missing a 10-footer, it's got to it's gotta just hammer on your psyche. You You have to think of every comeback putt that you miss... Like, oh, do I want to miss this 20-footer and have a 10-foot comeback? I missed that other 10-foot comeback. Like, you don't think about, oh, well, I'm 50-foot out. I missed that last 50-footer. I'm probably going to miss this 50-footer. Nobody thinks like that. So definitely, 100% of the time, you're taking the 10-footers. I think that's just that that's just logic. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong for some people. If out on the board, please tell me if you would rather have two 50-footers uh, versus the two 10-footers, but... Um, anyway, Julian, yeah, I mean, my I'm, surprise of the day. Yeah, um, and, and I get what you're saying. You know, 50 footers are almost a bonus in the first place. You're not necessarily counting on them. And in just the same regard, though, they might give you the extra boost of either confidence or momentum or just overall vibes and feels of like, you know, hell yeah. Um, so there is something that they could be doing for you that you wouldn't normally expect either. But I hear what you're saying. Um, I, I agree. Uh, Missy Gannon tied so. for sixth as well um, with Juliana at five under par. Cat Merch as well. And then, you know, I'm not shocked to see Owen Scoggins in the top ten. Um, if you would have told me after four or five holes that she was going to be in the top ten, I might have <laughs> I, I might have had a different response considering Owen took a, a triple bogey on the first hole. And then a single bogey on the next hole, on hole two, and then four straight pars. So she was three, no, four over par after six holes. And she <laughs> managed to get herself to four under par by more or less birdieing eight, was it eight of the nine or seven of the last eight holes? One, two, three, six of the last seven, sorry. 
Um, six of the last seven holes, she birdied. And um, literally just amazing. Um, it, it was fun to watch. And as always, you know, I'm the biggest own fan there is. It's enjoyable when she's shooting well. Because she brings up the atmosphere for everyone around her. She was in a threesome, so they were just cruising through the course. It was her, sure. Henna, and uh, uh, Diesel. Mm, so Deanne Carey, okay. Deanne Carey, all three of them. And it looked like they were having a blast. So, uh, Owens well, Goggins. As we've said, yeah, I mean, anytime you're on Owens card, if you're not having fun, mm-hmm. that's on you. Like, just yeah. period. Like, that's your fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're 100% so. right. So also tied for uh, ninth place with Own is Haley King. And then we get down to 11th place, Paige Pierce, Valerie Mondahano, Deanne Carey, and Alex Benson. So those, okay. those, those are your top technically 11. The name that nobody's talked about and nobody said anything about yet because you have to scroll way down, Katrina Allen, two over par. Just a rough day out there. Um, seemed to have seemed to have OB issues. She had five OB strokes out there and only missed one inside the circle pot. 91% C1X, but five OB strokes right away just it's a killer. It is a killer. Yeah. And she, you know, yeah. in, in theory, figure OB stroke. You're probably at least five, maybe more strokes because you're not losing distance if you go in some of these OBs. So she could be five to seven strokes better without those OB strokes. And she's right in the midst of it. But right now, it's hard to see Cat as a contender in this event. Again, down by 12 strokes. Now, Cat is another one of those players that has a very, very good pedigree and could come out and shoot two course records and get herself back into the mix. And again, yeah, I'm not I, jumping to any I mean, conclusions, but no, I'm I'm not too worried about cat and and I'll go as far as and and I understand how silly this might sound. I'll go as far though as throwing out the 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 OB stroke that you find on hole one. It's it's a matter of not getting a second one there, but mm-hmm. getting an OB stroke. Obviously, that's going to be a really common play. That's going to be a common occurrence, and I I don't fault people for that OB stroke. Um, uh, that's found on hole one at the Jones course, just because that all that means is she likely went for it and and then you know didn't get and, on and and she did that's quite exactly common. What, that's exactly what she tried. Yeah. She she went on. She tried to run at it. She ended up on hole one. She was left, which is seemed to be the there. I saw Paul McBeth miss an ace by about two feet, and everyone else seemed to yeah. come up come up left into those trees. So that that's, yeah. that was the miss today. If I watched. I'm just going to throw out a number 20 drives on hole one that, and of the ones that didn't make the green or, or find safety on the green, 17 of them were left. Like why is wa- that way you? left? Is, is there a slight headwind just, that players no, are trying to no, turn a I, disc and flatten it out? Because it seems to me, and granted I've never thrown the hole, a slight hyzer looks like the quote unquote best route, a, a, a real straight to barely hyzer like a stable putter or a stable mid-range um yeah and it would just anything, go the wind everybody's going left if anything the wind is pushing left to right like gently maybe it's a little over your shoulder maybe it's a little more direct but if anything it's it's pushing left to right 
Now, if it were pushing right to left, I'd be like, okay, that's just, I, I get it, you know, and, and people are getting the nose up and it's just stalling out. That's not the case. I just, I feel like people are maybe tentative about overthrowing it or turning it over too much. It's just the common miss today was definitely, that would be such an interesting, like if somebody statistically just sat there on, on you know, in the bench and watched every single drive today, yeah, you'd be surprised how many, yeah, how many people, and they've done that on halls, how many people just like missed it left, like right out of their hand. Greg Barsby comes to mind. Like his had no chance left right out of his hand. Paige Pierce left right out of her hand. I, it was just, that was the, certainly the most common miss out there. Nerves, tentative, you know, it's the first, first hole of, word, of words, Werves. of worlds, <laughs> of words, words are worlds. Um, just maybe a little tentative and just thinking, so, okay, don't, don't juice this, you know, calm your, calm your, you know, your heart rate and your adrenaline and throw it a little bit lighter. And the next thing you know, it's way too light and it doesn't even think about getting on inbounds. It, I, it's I very your, interesting for sure. I want your opinion, Terry. Um, hole one, I like the hole. I think mm-hmm. it's a good hole. I love that, you know, DD flat out listened to our podcast a couple months ago, listened, took my advice and put one more layer yep. of bricks yep. back there. Again, you're so smart. 100, so smart. 100% all my idea. If Emac shows up tonight, I'll, I'm sure he'll give me credit for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're the only one that said it too. I'm sure That's I'm the, the only one. I'm, part. Hey, I'm the only one with a podcast that probably said it. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. I don't listen to all the other podcasts, but anyway, so I'm glad they did that. But the argument for hole one is that it's a bad hole one. Do you, do you care about that? Do you think there's something about walking up to hole one? Because a lot of times what we see these days, and we'll see it at the country club tomorrow, walking up to hole one, and it's just like everybody's getting amped up. You know, you got the announcer announcing your name. Everybody wants to, as you're so often to say, Terry, everybody wants to yeet that disc. <laughs> yeet, 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 mother. So, um, yeah. Do you think this is a good hole one because it's a change where you actually have to control your emotions? You have to really temper down those those feelings of anxiety that you can't just unload on a on a on a piece of plastic on that first hole to get that first hole jitters out or do you like going into hole one knowing yeah we get to watch like these big guys or women crush these discs on hole one and that the current hole one would be a better say hole two i, I don't know what's your opinion on it yeah i mean <laughs> you're not original here johnny what? uh in that I only say that uh, Han- Hannah Macbeth and I had a quick conversation in between rounds today. And and she really asked essentially the same question. She's like, you have this hype and we have this buildup and here we are. It's whole one. It's the world championships. OB, 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 layup, OB. Like, and you see all of that. And, and is it just a timing thing? Would we, would we think it's any better of a hole or worse but would we think it's any better of a hole if it were hole three or hole nine or hole 17, as we commonly see, you know, to close out some some tournaments or some rounds? Um, it, it is an interesting it. I, I will agree. And again, I'll borrow Hannah's, you know, kind of analogy or phrasing a little in, in, in agreement. There's a deflation there. It's you're throwing and in let's just say you saw the four best players in the world say, you know what, we're not taking bogey, we're just going to lay it up, and uh, all four of them lay it up, all four of them put it onto the green, and they all walk away with pars and they gain strokes on the field. It still doesn't 
it, it's just a feeling. I, yeah. I know that sounds silly. And, and do we have to be worried about that as, a, as you know, does Emac think about that as a designer or is he thinking, you know, right out of the gate, hole one, hole one, we're going, you know, with this, this really, um, you know, tense moment and hole two, oh, by the way, we're going to give you, you know, uh, a mile and a half to throw uh, on a par five. And, and we're going to go right to, we're going to go from the shortest hole on the course to the longest hole in the course. I guess that's something interesting. Uh, those are back-to-back holes. I, I don't want to say I'm indifferent, but yeah, I can understand a conversation about the just the placement or the timing is a better word. The timing of hole one. Um, it, it is kind of weird. It's like here, here's our, and, and I say this very selfishly. I see James Conrad. I see Katrina Allen. You're defending champions. And they're stepping up to this hole, and clearly, they've got to execute just as good of a shot as anyone else that's on defending a world title. It just feels a little weird uh, to be like, "Oh, okay, you're OB. You're starting. You're starting your world's title defense off with a bogey." Like, well, pretty much. You could guaranteed. do that. You could do that at Country Club too. You could easily whip it out right or left. You certainly and, can, and, but and like OB. you know, but like you're well, saying, there's not there's not it nearly as much pressure or intensity on that initial tee shot at country club there's still ob and there's still a million ways to bogey that hole don't get me wrong but like you just said if you're gonna yeet 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 you're gonna do it hole one at the country club and that might calm some of the nerves so uh, i think i give i give emac credit in that (laughs) you're you're starting out with a little uh intensity right off the bat it does feel like you said it feels a little deflating but i'm gonna give uh the benefit of the doubt to Emac and, and the DD crew in that you have one course where you do get to just launch it on hole one. And then you have the other course where you have to, sure. con- you have to control your emotions. You have to focus immediately. You, there's no, your name is being called. You're stepping up to that T pad and you think you have to make a decision, lay it up and get a three or go for it and probably get a four. Like that is a, that is an immediate decision that you have to make on the spot with the with you know i think it may be a little easier to go by your game plan if the first person if you're not the first person but if you're the second person and you watch paul mcbeth or eagle mcmahon put it right on the island that that's got to go in the back of your head thinking i don't want to lose a stroke to them like right away i don't want to be one 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 off of the pace after one i really actually am turning towards liking this particular whole one because we have Country Club. If we didn't have Country Club, I think I would rather see it later in the round. But because we have the Country Club start, this is a good change of pace. Because would people be complaining if we were getting this whole one tomorrow? That you get to watch day one, whole one at the Country Club. Everybody's throwing it really far. Day two, whole one, it's a short one. Or is it only because it's the very first hole of the event that the spectator gets to see usually? I don't I don't know the yeah, answer. I- Again, but, I think there's something to be said just about the I, overall timing. Here we I are, the first throw to defend or go after your world championship title. And it's just so, dare I say, so damn easy to go out of bounds. And yeah, uh, so th- that uh, that's where I can understand mm-hmm. the argument against it. But like you said, I mean, you can lay up. You could play for the three. Mm-hmm. I mean, Eagle McMahon, who's tied for the lead, watched, you know, three other people throw out of bounds or at least two other people throw out pitched of bounds. It up. And and he pitches it up and plays for a three and Takes just moves on. And, I, and there again, you run some magic simulation 
of of uh, 200 people, 200 MPO players playing that hole, and then tell me what the overall score will be after after five tournaments, and then maybe you think back to yourself, oh yeah, yeah, there's n- there's no shame in a three here. I'm just going to play for the three. You know, I mean, well, same same or similar logic could be applied, of course, to hole 17 at USDGC, which is yes, uh, is very birdieable hole, but what if I just play it for a three every single time and get a three every single time somehow? I like it. I, I, I mean, obviously, I've, that's all, all the beauty of it. I've come back around to say that I do like the whole one the way it is. I know a lot of people earlier in, in the in the day I had been talking to some people. I'm like, yeah, I can see your point. I would love it. No, I, I am back on the I think it's a good starting hole for our world championships. One thing I do love, and, and like you said, I will echo it, is seeing that extra layer uh, added to the back, which in all honesty, I don't remember you saying something that clever. Uh, maybe you did. Uh, I, I don't did. know. You can check the notes. But um, I do, wherever it came from, I do really like it. Um, you know, it's not crazy if it were added two or three labor, layers or created like an official, you know, backstop or, or green monster. I don't think I'd like that. But uh, just that one, just a little extra. Uh, I, I do like it. Because I do I think recall. It looks nice and everything played out well. At DDO, I think I saw one or two of them hit the 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 chips and skip off the back, which is what made me think yeah. of it. And so this, it doesn't prevent that because you could still skip up and over, but it's a lot more sure. difficult with just that little extra layer. And I think it takes away a little bit of, I mean, that was a very, that's a very, very difficult green to hit. Um, yes. And I do like the change they made in the drop zone on that hole that they that they centered it and brought it a little bit closer to kind of tempt you to go for that. And, and correct. And, and that also very intentional. Correct. And so if you do miss and you go at it, there's a good chance you go out of bounds past it. We see a lot of players that are that are kind of just trying to flop it in there so that they don't go out of the back of the the uh the green, the OB green. It's weird sure. calling it a green when there's OB surrounded by OB. But yes, back in well, the it's island. all it's it's a, and then it's it really you jump on it and it's it's cut up rubber tires, mm-hmm. so it feels really weird and it's a it's a special spongy like feeling, and and you know I'm just throwing it out there as well. When you're on it and you're about to putt from it, if you have anything that requires a little bit of extra leg power or you know you're trying to put something on it. You have to be comfortable with putting on it. It's it's not quite like a sand, but in the sense that like the the plant and the foot and the release and the power and the weight shift all feels different when you're on there. So, <laughs> I mean, it goes without saying you want to get it as close to the basket as possible always, but maybe even there more than ever because that it, it does have a weird feel to it when you're putting and you're standing on top of there. So. I, I was jumping around in there, just having a, a great time. Earlier, you were trying but. to bounce. You were trying to get a higher. Yeah, up. you know, you were you were measuring like your ups. With me, and- with me. Yeah, me and me and Beyonce and Jay Z. I don't know. So, we okay, so Terry, so in MPO and FPO, what is your biggest surprise in each field right now? Whether it's a player or a situation, what is your biggest? I, what are you taking? I don't say what are you taking away, but what's your biggest surprise in each division? Um. I, I don't know. Hmm. I'm, I, as I'm looking at the FPO scores and and where people are and and whatnot, of course, I, I would. I'm a little surprised to see Paige, so to speak, that much off the pace. Same, obviously, could be said of Katrina, who had a rough day out there. Um, so I think that's a fair statement to say. If if you said to someone, "Hey, I, 
I bet you Katrina's going to be sitting in 30, 30th or worse after round one. Most people would bet against that. So I think that's fair to say that's a legitimate surprise uh, for sure. And and you hate to see it for our defending champ. Um, uh, you know, her and Paige, just both of them really struggled today. And then I, I think in a, in a very pleasant way, as we kind of talked about, Henna, you know, she's – Henna and Evelina – have always been kind of this package deal of, oh, Hannah, Evelina, and Kristen. And when we talk about the European women and the the additional parity that they bring to the overall division, and then for the longest time recently, it's been very much like, yeah, Hannah and Evelina are around, and they're very good, and they're very solid. However, Kristen is the killer of that three. And now this, this weekend we see, you know, immediately Hannah and um, and Evelina step in. They're both sitting, you know, in the top four spots. So I don't want to call that a surprise, but it's it's just it's also not what we've been seeing normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hannah, I think, is the one that jumped up even more so. Evelina, we saw contending at European Open, and I feel like her consistency in her finishes have been a little bit better lately. So to see Hannah and Evelina both up there, both in that conversation in the first card or two. Uh, is is uh, awesome to see, and and nothing for nothing, you know. J.K., you know, you said she missed a few short putts. Uh, we know she's got all these, you know, amazing skills, and you know everything she's doing seems timeless these days. Uh, but to be sitting here in the sitting in a tie for six, just five off the lead, which is not crazy, uh, given that anything can happen. I mean, <laughs> what's the money line on? JK Getting winning her, her sixth, sixth before, before Page does. I mean, I think I, I think she even said it in the press conference or or said it recently in an interview that she doesn't necessarily think that uh you know that's where where she's gonna see herself finishing, but you know, uh, as they say, that's why we play, right? There so. has to be tonight a glimmer. Like just, just a, she's sitting like maybe going into the, into the event. She probably didn't give herself much of a chance. She's in tied for six. There has to be that, that, that tiny little pinprick of a light in the back of her head that says, eh, maybe I get six. Let me, let me go out there. Um, so Juliana, Evelina and Henna, do you know what they all have in common? Uh, I's and A's in their name. Uh, well, no. Um, I mean, maybe, but zero. Obese you just said girls. Juliana. Oh, Hannah doesn't have any eyes. She has no eyes. <laughs> She's blind. Um, no, but they all end in a. They all, they all names. Do, they all do end in a. Their first names. Um, that's some big brain thing. That is some big brain stuff, Terry. No zero O B strokes. And Tatar had Damn. one on hole sixteen, where she ended up still getting the par on it. Mm-hmm. But that is the key to this course. You need to keep it in bounds. Paige Pierce had four OB strokes. We saw Cat had five. Haley King was sitting there with four. Own Scoggins only had... Own Scoggins technically had three because she had two on hole one. She went for the putt, I think, and missed it and ended up going past it. Because we know Own, if it's in within 60 feet, she's not laying up. So, um, Cat Merch had four OB strokes. Missy Gannon had two. So, Jen Allen had only one. Ella, Ella Hansen with two. That is the key to this course is you need to keep it in bounds. Had Paige just kept it in bounds? And she had some, Paige had some, as you saw, some bad throws. She was releasing things early. We saw Kat have some very weird 
form issues today. I don't know if it was bad footing or just a change in her form, as you had said. It just didn't look right the first few holes. You keep those in bounds, and and you're right up there with all the other women. But that's where Paige has always struggled: is to she goes at everything and she takes the consequences with her. Yeah, well, we'll uh, see as they attack the country club tomorrow, and of course, uh, that's where everyone's going to be heading from the A pool. There's no OB there though, right? There's no OB at the country club. I. Yeah, no, I think they got rid of it. Okay, good. <laughs> I think I think they lined it with uh with uh snowballs. So <laughs> I think everything should just be fine. Just look for the snowballs tomorrow and you'll be all fine out there. <laughs> okay. Uh so <laughs> uh so that's what we saw on the FPO side. Uh moving back over to MPO, uh we can quickly talk about what we're going to see there again, obviously heading to the Country Club. A couple changes out at the Country Club that we're going to see that are going to be uh, available to everybody, but uh, still playing. Well, let me check the math. Oh yeah, hole one still twelve hundred and twenty-four feet. Um, yeah, it's uh, we've got some beastly golf. You know, that's got two par fives on that course. Uh, no correction, three par fives. And did I hear? Did somebody tell me uh, in my ear today that Noah Meinsma had four eagles? I believe was that, I was that heard good. That. You disking. <laughs> I believe um, someone. I believe I did hear that. Um, yeah, uh, I am double checking right now. Okay, so that's not right. <laughs> no, it's funny the things you hear when you're out there walking around and you don't do the math for yourself or do the checking. Somebody's. I could have swore Ian said at a break uh, off air, so I'm I'm calling him out here that something about having four eagles out there, and I'm looking and seeing none. So maybe maybe there's a U disc mix up. Maybe they're scoring them at the wrong course. Like, like, you know what I mean? You're getting a two on a on a par four at because you're not, no, I don't know how that happens. Yeah, no, no, he, def, he definitely anyway, did not have four eagles. He did not. I don't think yeah, he, had a he was a hundred percent. Yeah, he was a hundred percent C one X, um, and zero percent from C two. So rarely would you not get a a single eagle if you don't have any at least C two hits. But nonetheless, no, mine's about one under. So we got that in there. Uh, quick shout out, Macy Veladia is celebrating her birthday today. I feel like they've been celebrating it for three or four straight days. There was a big pickleball thing the other night. That's the way to do yeah, it. With like, there, well, there were like 35 people pickleballing. And then there was a cake and singing and everything else. And that was two nights ago. And then I feel like she maybe got to go out to dinner. And there was more celebrating last night. And then, and then there, we got to wish her a happy birthday on the course again today. So it's Macy Veladia's week everyone it's officially renamed that which i'd be the i'd i'd be a fan of i'd be okay with that uh with that initiative so uh happy birthday to her <laughs> yeah, disc blaster something actually funny and on point says maybe there was four in of a eagles in his bag it would be funnier if he wasn't sponsored by dga but yeah almost almost maybe he found him on the course maybe he found him on the course like hey everyone keeps seeming so. to lose these eagles i'd set four in my bag <laughs> Um, uh, so over on the MPO side, uh, like we were just saying, Country Club. I mean, well, real quick, I, I to, know expl- this maybe- to explain it to everybody, in case you don't know, after the next round, they will shuffle, as Nate Doss called it, the Great Shuffle. Um, the Great uh, Shuffle. I think they'll get a That's sorting the, hat out from Harry Potter, and, and then uh-huh. they start picking names. Uh-huh. But uh, uh-huh. after this Somebody round, they'll shuffle. Cape. <laughs> I, I think it happens. I mean, 
Uh, I'm here for the great shuffle. <laughs> Terry, if you don't uh, do that, <laughs> if you don't do that, I will be so disappointed. I will be so disappointed if, if my, my top hat will have GS for the great shuffler. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, after this round, there'll be the shuffle and everybody will be reassigned pools. Obviously, your top 50 or so players in each division will go. I think it's 50. Is it 57? No, it's uh, 70. Uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's anyway. Um, It's like 50 players or something or 40 players. Well, no, it's got to be more than that. There's 211 Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at I was looking at FPL. Top fifty percent. I was looking at FPL. Roughly a hundred and five ish players. Yeah, it's gonna be about hundred and five players. We'll will be in the A pool, so to speak, and then everyone else will be in the B pool. After the fourth round, they will shuffle again. And I believe after the fourth round, it's cut. There's a cut after the fourth Let's round. I got. I hope so. I hope so. Get those get those scrubs out of there. That's right. <laughs> After four, <laughs> and uh, and then the if final you round will be yourself ECC. by that. Get out. So yeah, shuffling cut all right, every all two right. rounds. Yeah, yeah. Which is my new TikTok thing. Like, shuffling cut. I was just no. I was going to say it sounds like a a game you would play in Vegas. But anyway, all right. So uh, tomorrow, what we're going to see, and and this goes without saying, maybe as you go to a big bomber course, uh, we're going to see double G, Aaron Gossage, who's been clocked at throwing. Uh, who's been clocked at throwing a disc now, 111 miles per hour, uh, Eagle McMahon and what? Anthony Barella. Yeah. No, I mean, I made that number up, but it would okay. be cool. If it was. <laughs> I was like, no, I was thinking like, wow, Simon in his best days, I think he was pushing 90 or something. Like, yeah, no, he didn't throw 111, but yeah. if he did, it'd be cool. I mean, you, you almost, no, yeah. but you're going to see double G Gossage McMahon and Barella throwing a- the country club. Is there a better, like, if you picked four people out of this entire event to watch MPO, like, if you if you just wanted a, a distance show. A, a distance showcase? Is there, yeah. are there four better um, people? Are there, is, who, you who's know, missing? Do you put Simon and, Go- Simon, you swap out Gossage for, for Simon, I, maybe? I, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I not. Gossage throws just as far as Simon these days. Yeah, I'm not, not saying further. he doesn't. That's why I say. I'm, I'm um, talking maybe, he, you know. pure distance. Are they the fourth? Furthest throwing players out here? I mean, clearly you've got Ezra uh, Ezra Double, yeah. out there. That's true. Double G and, won the distance competition. Yeah. So, I mean, he, um, he good. E- Ezra was um, out there. He took like third. Gannon Burr, I think, took second or fourth or something like that. Exactly. So, so you I mean, know, I guess you, you, you could have Ezra or Gannon in there. But, God, I, honestly, watching those players out there is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's what we're going to see out there tomorrow. Uh, on your chase card, we're going to see... So this is the top four on the chase card. Uh, we will see Vino Macula, Paul Macbeth, Corey Ellis, Zacharyath Johnson. And then rounding out the third card, you will see Barsby, Sexton, Dylan Horst, and Calvin Heimberg. All right. And then uh, I, as I see a few of those names, plus the very next name I see on the next card, starts with Chris Dickerson. Uh, Real quick, did 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 everyone get the full scope of what went down at the players' meeting last night and the shirts and the guys? Did did, did anyone hear that story? So it was a it was the TikToks way back in the day, like months ago. Uh, it was a thing where significant others would convince or trick their their men in this case, I believe, for a golf outing or for some kind of gathering, and they would get them. They would. Their significant others would buy the men 
the same exact shirt and then convince them or have them wear it to a function. And then you show up and if 10 or 12 or 20 women did this or significant others, everybody's wearing all these guys would show up wearing the same shirt. Well, essentially that's what was pulled off at the players meeting last night. And in a, in a mildly naive way at the time, and it was actually a fair statement. I sat down next to Avery Jenkins. The meeting was just getting started. And I see, I see next to me a couple of people down is, is uh, Katrina and Austin Hannum. And I'm like, I don't think anything of the shirt, but then I see like two people later or next to him is Drew Gibson and Drew Gibson's shirt kind of looks like Austin's. And then a moment later I saw Joel Freeman walk by and I'm like, that shirt looks kind of familiar too, but maybe, maybe not. I, whatever. And then Yuli gets called up uh, for the Bob West Sportsman of the Year Award. And he's got what it looks looks similar. It's like a black and grayish camo shirt. I'm looking at And then I said to Avery, I said, is it me or do these shirts look the same? And Avery made the, the very appropriate, very disc golf related joke. Uh, yeah, it looks like they all, you know, found the same sale at the same outlet mall, you know, because commonly, you know, a lot of our yeah. touring players all of a sudden go to some new city and everybody stops at the Nike outlet or Adidas outlet or whatever. And then next thing you know, everybody has a similar, you know, shirt. Well, sure enough, uh, as I was walking out of the theater, it was then made painstakingly clear as all the significant others had rounded up everybody. And sure enough, there was like 11 or 12 of them mm. uh, that had the exact same shirts on. Chris Dickerson made the, the joke or the post that uh, he had been gotten and that it uh, uh, worked out. I, I want to I was going to quickly look. And, and it was it was funny to see um, to see all the guys lined up in this way. Uh, sorry, I want to. Another look. Um, so there were some pictures taken. Yeah, okay. So I see, at least within this picture, uh, Mason Ford, Paul Uliberry, uh, Colton Montgomery, Chris Dickerson, <laughs> Drew Gibson, Paul McBeth, Zachariah Johnson, uh, Ricky Wysocki, uh, along with Austin Hannum, uh, all wearing the exact, and Big Germ. So nonetheless, it, it was pretty funny to see that uh, they had successfully, so to speak, pulled off this this nifty little prank. And I because think- at one point, well, at one point I was like, well, no, they're not like Drew's not on the same team as Austin. And I was thinking like maybe it was a team. There you go. It was maybe a team shirt. Like, oh, hey, everybody on team Discrafter or whomever. But then I'm like trying to piece it together. I'm like, no, they're not. They don't. No, they don't have any of the same sponsors in common. And uh, yeah, so. Hats off, uh, Brittany. I believe it was the the likes of Brittany Dickerson and Hannah McBeth and the rest of the crew. I think Silver Lot was also uh, <laughs> Silver. Silver uh, refused to wear the shirt. He didn't. Um, he didn't like it or something like that. So he didn't end up falling into it. But well, it just nonetheless. It, looking at the shirt, it doesn't seem like that's not the type of style I would normally see Macbeth in a camo shirt. Um, I, germ doesn't yeah because it was a black and a gray camo it was it was a little subtle it was a really yeah i know for me not wearing camo it's a shirt i would wear um as a mm. non-camo guy um i could see wearing it so it was it was subtle enough it's good i love i love the uh i I love the prank good 
nice, nice teamwork there. I do love the prank. Congratulations to all the significant others that were able to do it. Well played. Oh, you know, Hannah's out on the board. Says, sorry, we didn't get you a shirt. That's yeah. That's all right, Hannah. That's all right. Nice, nice work though. Credit where credit is due. All right. I, I mean, obviously, I could ramble on and for hours and hours. One thing I will do, not ramble yet, mm. is uh, I'm going to add it up. Um, you know, Dave Greenwell, big shout out to him. He has attended every single world championships from the get-go. He's the only person to have done so. You know, they keep talking about this being the 40th one, and he's attended all 39, and I know COVID's in there, so it's kind of weird. I don't know how that math checks out, but my tiny slant or claim to fame in a similar way is that, I, of course, I haven't been to every pro worlds, but I'm somewhere around 37, 38, 39-ish total worlds that I've either worked or played in or run or had some part of. And I, I want to add that number up. I'm not getting an award for it or, or even making my own award, believe it or not. But it's pretty crazy to yet still be so excited to go to the players meeting last night. And granted, here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a players meeting bingo card of what's going to be said at the players meeting. And, and it's all in fun. But, um, you know, the provisional rule, of course, is discussed. Usually it's the the the. Uh, late check-ins uh, that get called out, um, you know, the the flags and the processional with uh, having the flags and all the countries represented. There's some really cool parts to the, to the pro worlds. That's called tradition. And one of the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, a few of them are a little funnier, quirkier than others, I guess. But uh, what I will say is as we were starting to close out the pro worlds, and here's maybe a long winded takeaway to that is uh, the, the players meeting. They had announced that there's at least, I think that's a key phrase, at least $200,000 will be the total purse for this world. And that's that's amazing. In fact, I was just going to look up last year, 2021, and, and no slight to last year or any other year, uh, PDG, see what the payout was. For last year's Pro Worlds, efforting as i think they say that's that's 173,000 i know 173,000 was the total purse for last year's pro worlds and they're saying at least 200,000 so it's phenomenal like it, it yeah so very very cool the one thing here here's here's you know they they attribute that largely to the spectatorship that they're expecting or spectators that they're uh, planning on seeing as we close out the week. I will admit, and I don't know if it, if it was a, a ticketing issue or, or an accessibility or a day of the week issue, I was a little surprised with how much hype and excitement and anticipation we've seen at so many of these last few events. Today, being a Tuesday, I understand, Today's on-course, in-person spectator base was lighter than I expected. And and the bar has been raised, the expectations have been raised, because I think back to a few weeks ago on a Thursday or a Friday when we're just seeing these insane numbers, whether it's a Ledgestone or a Des Moines, and I know we have a whole week, and I know, you know everything really culminates on Friday and Saturday. I get all of that. 
I just still expected more than what we saw out there today. So is that, do you, do you think it's just Tuesday in Emporia is just still going to be slow, Johnny? Is that what you chalk that up to? I think so. Um, and you're going to get the hardest of the hardcores to come out on Tuesday or your locals, because for anyone else that might be traveling from, we'll just say surrounding two to three, four States to go to the world championships. Coming on Tuesday probably means you're coming all week then that you've dedicated an entire week because very rarely is someone probably gonna be like, you know, I'm just going to go on Tuesday. If people have the choice, they're, they're going to want to go for the Friday, Saturday rounds. So am I shocked? No, not really. I think we're definitely going to see it increase throughout the week. And I'm interested to see what, with Emporia being Emporia, I'm interested to see what it's going to look like on Saturday because we had it last year in Utah, but that's a more heavily populated area than Emporia, Kansas. So yeah. if, you, if you're coming to Kansas, you're coming from at least two hours away. I mean, Kansas mm-hmm. City is an hour and 40, maybe hour and a half. Yeah, roughly. Kansas Depending City. Suburb. And- yeah. So yeah, I will be curious to see what type of um, draw they get. And I, I don't know if this is going to be the case. Let's say it's a small draw. Let's say they only get a thousand people to show up. 800. Okay. Will that start to make a difference in the future of where worlds is picked? We've already seen it kind of get weighed based on media. We've seen it. It feels like there's about four places that run worlds now every year. And that's, and that's kind of the, the crews that want to run it, that can run it because they have the courses, they have the staff, they have the fundraising ability, all that stuff. I wonder if the PDGA will have to, at some point, start to take that into account. Now, it could be that Emporia shows up strong and 2,200 people show up. And then, and then there's... Yeah, I mean, what's success? You know, that's... I guess that begs the next question is, what is considered success? And and I don't know where the numbers are at right now. Uh, I haven't had that conversation with Doug or the crew as to how many tickets have been sold. For all I know, 3,700 tickets have been sold or or... You know, 760 tickets have been sold. I honestly have no idea what the number is, but yeah, that, I mean, those are all fair questions. And, mm-hmm. and does spec, does on-site spectatorship necessarily, is that an indicator at all of a good or bad world's experience? It, it just may be in a location that's not spectator friendly, but people are like, you know, because it's Labor Day GM, weekend. GMC. Well, isn't but that where, just think. Isn't that where it's next year at GMC? Yeah, up in at uh, Smugglers, not in, in but, Smugglers. But are we going to see twenty two thousand people there? I mean, that's a hike to get to there depends, and stay. And but it, it's your it, yeah, clearly it's part of your. What is your local disc golf scene like? How far of a reach does that have on any given weekend? And then you even think it's it's Labor Day weekend. Um, is is Emporia mm-hmm. with the heat and the location? Is that where you're bringing your family for Labor Day weekend? Are you doing something else? It's the weekend either just starting or or just before or just after uh, kids are now in school. You know, in a lot of communities, I know some start earlier, of course. But there's so many factors that right now it's too, I feel like it's really hard for us to pinpoint, you know, 
for sure what was the reason for a, a success or a non-success. Yeah. But I'm thinking of all those things like, yeah, Emporia Labor Day weekend when it's 98 degrees that that may not, you know, not not that we don't, you know, Emporia knows and loves disc golf and they're putting on a great show, but there's a few boxes that might not check, you know, as a family. So Zach anyway. is telling me that there was no single day tickets except for final round. Yeah, and, and I, I did hear I, that as well. And, and there were some, uh, I think it was roommate, unique, like you, you had to like go, you had to get like in two day passes or you got like only Jones or only ECC or something. It was, it was definitely a little different. I, I remember hearing. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know all the details, but I, I know that was one question that was asked is how, how did those arrangements come about? And I, I can't speak to that because I don't, I don't, I just simply don't know that answer. I'm sure they had their reasons. <laughs> uh, they they run very large, successful tournaments, and they run them very well. So I'm sure they had their reasonings. Now, we may or may not agree with them or whatever or understand them, but I'm sure they had them for whatever they were. But I guess the biggest takeaway to all of this is really when when it was announced by Doug Bjorkus that we would see at least a $200,000 purse. He was very explicit in stating that this is largely due to the spectator turnout. Um, and okay. um, so I'm guessing ticket sales have gone very well, or they're predicting them to, or projecting them to, but you know, this is all part of the bigger picture and plan. And, and, and truth be told, our players need to make a few adjustments. Our players can't necessarily park at the course. They're parking at a different place. They're warming up there. They're getting shuttled over. That that adds 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 minutes to their overall round experience. And, and parking isn't as easy and accessible at Jones as it might be, say, at the country club and just the community that we're in. There's there's a lot of different things that are going that are factoring into this. And those all are part of the incremental growing pains that we have we want big spectators but when we have too many spectators it can mess with our live signal it can affect play it can affect the time and the flow of play um you know it, it can bog down our players who went from signing five autographs a weekend to now signing 500 autographs a weekend there's these are all part of you know our entire game continuing to you know grow and expand it's it's crazy to see it all unfold is really what it is more than anything. So, all right. Mm, get them on a camera. Anyway, um, I think that's about it. I think that's about it in terms of a day one recap. I do have a quick, <laughs> I don't know if this is a, I don't think this is a, well, I don't know if it's a secret today. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm, if it doesn't happen, I'm also not offended uh, but I believe <laughs> I locked in or committed to the idea. I know on Thursday night, there is a local football game going on, I, I believe at Emporia State University. Mm-hmm. And the owner from Bourbon Cowboy happened to run into me at Radius, and we had a talk about. Oh, Terry, you locked up. Oh, there you are. Go ahead. You Sorry. happened to talk uh, to you. You you ran into yeah. that radius, the bourbon cowboy owner. Sure. Yeah. And she was very kind. Uh-huh. Uh, it, yeah. It's, it's very, it's awesome to come to these places year after year and then have some of the local establishments, you know, have these relationships. Uh, we've done podcasts and other things from in there. And, and 
I think they serve beverages. And so they're going to have a, a mechanical bull, and it's also going to be uh, overall part of, you know, tied into the worlds, but also tied into this football game. Well, Emac had asked me today, and we'll see if it happens. Uh, he had asked me if I'd be interested in being a part of the halftime show slash emceeing it, where I think him, him and Ricky Waisaki and a few others will be doing something with throwing discs or something. Uh, and he had asked if I would be part of, uh, I don't know, some announcing or talking disc golf or something like that. So that'd be pretty crazy and a, just a bizarre experience. Uh, to be take, on, take, your, uh, take your opportunities, Terry. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. If if it unfolds and it happens, if it doesn't, that's fine too. But uh, he had asked me if I was interested in it. So uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> kind of crazy. I've I've never. I guess I was part of a of the uh, the admirals out on the ice doing some stuff for our local mm-hmm. uh, Milwaukee Admirals hockey minor league hockey team. Anyway, so all the action is here in Emporia. I know that much. Every single night, there's going to be stuff <laughs> going on. And will I get in Rick's face again? Talk a little trash? Probably. That's that's what I do. If he deserves it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we saw him. And, and, and for those that don't know, uh, me <laughs> mouthing off and getting in Rick's face at the Funky Farms, uh, there was a lot of conversation going on, and I, I'm sure some of you have seen the full uncut videos, but we had a lot of fun out there that day, and there was a lot of trash talking and ribbing and, and going back and forth, exactly all the fun you would expect us to be having. And Ricky, along with a few of the other competitors, got a kick out of the idea that I was throwing a few of my discs were maybe as old or older than some of them. And uh, when I had when I did have one bright, uh, small, bright, shining moment on the day, uh, it was a lot of fun to be able to <laughs> shit talk uh, Waisaki just a little bit. So uh, that that was kind of the setup to all of that, and it was a lot of fun. All right, Johnny, let's uh, let's let's wrap this up as a regular show. Maybe we'll quickly get into an after show and talk a few more things with people that have questions. Uh, but then we've got editing to do. We've got I got Ryan, my roommate here, who is out hustling around. We've got more doubles action that we can release and. Uh, you know, we, we saw that gatekeeper was out there getting some cards. We got some cards and released it. I've got even more footage and, uh, we worked with the PDGA to get some field events footage, which I think they're releasing as well. So, um, I know it's all part of the whole world's experience and we want to continue to share that with you guys. So let's close it out. We are here. It's been awesome. It's been day one at the world championships, uh, a regular Tuesday night for us, but yet day one at the Worlds. In just four more rounds, we're going to be crowning world champions. Could be repeat world champions, or, or it could be brand new ones. But either way, uh, we're gearing up for the excitement and looking forward to it all here in Emporia. For Johnny V, I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. This has been Smashbox TV episode 418. Stick around, stay tuned, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a very quick break, and when we come back, we'll interact with you guys on the chat, answer any questions that you have, and talk about disc golf or non-disc golf related things in our after show, and uh, we'd love to connect with you. So stick around. Again, we'll be right back when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. 
If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashbox TV. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.